Hello and welcome to the fifth DMs Book Club. I think it's fifth. Yeah, <laughs> I, think I think it's, it's fifth. fifth. I can't remember anymore. The days and weeks go into one. Uh, so <laughs> I don't remember when we talk. Um, it's a podcast where we read some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing games. My name is Fiona, and with me, as ever, the other half is Ryan. Hi, Hello, Ryan. other half. I know. I'm uh, fine. Yes, lovely. How are you? <laughs> I am great. I let me. Shall I tell the podcast what I suddenly found this week? Go uh, for it. So, you know, Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> <laughs> you told me about this. I still yeah. haven't seen the trailer. So I, because um, we would so in our D and D group or whatever, there, there's a talk about the Baldur's Gate being released soon or something. So I checked it out on Steam because someone said, oh, it was not on Steam. I thought, oh, there is a pre-order. Yeah. And the first uh, cinematic trailer not only contains a mind flare, I knew mind flares were involved. There are GIF, there are GIF <laughs> on dragons, there's a bloody nautiloid, like, and it looks incredible. <laughs> I, Can you buy a Fiona for a, like, mode where <laughs> the nautiloid is, is sort of crossed out and censored? And I, I can't believe I'm saying this. The nautiloid actually looks pretty cool oh <laughs> i know you it, slated it royally it, but, i can't believe I, you'd say that in my head it looks stupid it i think the graphics just make it look incredible so I, yeah it, i would recommend it. it's the, the first cinematic trailer it's basically i think it's the first five minutes of the game or whatever but they've got but yeah they, it's everything we've talked about so if you've been catching up with this podcast i feel really relevant right now i don't know <laughs> i don't know about you we, Ryan. we feel incredible I, I always feel relevant i'll be honest i have a <laughs> emblazoned self like confidence that shines for everything I do maybe (laughs) (laughs) Ryan you've picked today's topic I have what are we talking about it's almost like I was thinking about what could I talk about in Dungeons and Dragons and came across a huge brick wall and slammed my head against the first thing I saw which was the very title of Dungeons (laughs) and Dragons today we will be talking about dragons specifically mm. the monster manual we're going retro none of these follow guides or Mordekainen's tones or anything like this proper monster manual yeah, original um, three yeah <laughs> exactly now if you know anything about the monster manual there are three things in the monster manual that that gave special attention i mean everything else gets its own little bit right mm-hmm. you've got a page or half a page and every single monster here some monsters get like a page and a half if there's a particularly good like picture there's a great one of like a yeti for instance somewhere mm. in the book but demons devils and dragons all get special attention because all three of those categories are particularly interesting and we've spoken about devils and demons and the blood war and all that sort of stuff Dragons are the other one you need to know about because if you're going to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons, the dragons are going to have to pop up at some point and they are incredibly fun to try and work with because there are all kinds of dragons with all kinds of mindsets and styles and ways they go about things Mm. and some pretty distinct differences between the two different main categories of dragons you should probably know about, which some people do, some people don't. It depends if you're new to D&D or not, I guess. Or if you're me, because uh, I you. I did not know the difference. So I because I as I follow stuff like Critical Role and High Rollers, they often drop in a dragon and sort of mention the color, and I go, um, "Are all dragons bad?" <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, uh, prove me wrong. So Ryan, what's what's the difference? Well, what are the main? What's the, just give me a summary of of dragons plural. <laughs> Let's all right. try that. 
The first thing you need to know about dragons is that they are not immortal, but they are the closest thing to immortal you are going to get in D&D without being immortal, right? A dragon has no real sense of age in the sense of it growing old and dying. It's more of a state of how much dragon you've got. They hatch from an egg. They start very, very small, little wormlings. They get bigger as they get older. And eventually they get so big, they become what they call ancient, where they are these huge, massive dragons. And then they become real problems, depending on which side of the fence you sit on. Dragons are intelligent. They are cunning. They are wise. Most, most of them, to be fair, but some, with a couple of exceptions. They are generally very high-functioning creatures. They are incredibly powerful. And they have two gods, whereas a lot of sort of things in D&D have one god. Dragons have two, and they are very, very different. You have Tiamat, who is the five-headed demon dragon that resides in hell, literally in the first layer of Avernus, and has a particular thing with Asmodeus where they, they, they hate each other. I think we may have mentioned this briefly in the Blood War, mm. but in the, the first layer of hell, You've got Tiamat. She she is evil. Okay, she has five huge heads of which there is one of every color of dragon that she represents, and they are all what they call chromatic dragons. Chromatic dragons essentially are dragons that have just a color. They're matte. It's like Bob Ross picks up a paintbrush and goes to town, <laughs> right? If he's got that color on his little board and it's stuck in his afro, it's probably a chromatic dragon. And it's probably evil, right? That's that's the way to remember it. If Bob Ross has got it. Chances are, it's evil. I, I need a Bob Ross minor character now in our D and D sessions. <laughs> just there, going, oh, hey. dragons. <laughs> oh, that's great! Isn't that's just wonderful? Oh, Ooh, trees, <laughs> <He's so> trees. <laughs> On the other side of the fence, you have. Ah, oh, and I've just totally forgotten his name. Is it Bahamut? I think it's uh, Bahamut. Yeah, it's Bahamut. It is Bahamut. Uh, yeah, you know, we just have a total mind fart. I've, I've been reading about this. Oh all... wait, is it? Oh, hang on, is it ba- Bahamut? Bahamut. Yeah. This is the pronunciation. Yeah. Fun. You know what? I'm just going to have a look at this. The King of Dragons, the Platinum Dragons, Bahamut. Yes. I was close enough. Look, I think I was just about right. The Platinum Dragon, as otherwise he's known. He is a huge silver dragon that dwells on Mount Celestia, which is a good plane. We've talked a lot about evil planes. We haven't really talked about good planes in D&D. But Mount Celestia is one of the, the outer planes of pure good and Bahamut lives on that. And he represents what they call the metallic dragons. So dragons that have a shiny complexion. Imagine if some real posh twat with a lot of money had a car and they wanted a really shiny paint. Chances are it's a good dragon. You've got all <laughs> kinds of metals. If you've traded with it with currency, it's a good dragon. Mm. And Dragons don't really come in between. I mean, there are lots of different traits that that bind dragons. They have a huge sense of greed and curiosity, of a sense of territory and pride, a sense of ego and self-confidence. There's a lot of things that run through dragons generally, but they do sit into evil and good camps. And they're very, very different. And, you know, you're saying you come across a dragon in a campaign, you have a look at the color, you're going to know pretty quickly whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing. For me, I, I would just assume that, like, like you kind of made it obvious, like, dragons are not to be messed with. Like, I, for me, whenever I think dragon, obviously, like, I, I, my first experience with a dragon um, wasn't D&D, obviously. It was, like, The Hobbit. And yeah. 
if you've seen the recent film, which I'm sure everyone has, obviously you have Bilbo and that sort of incredible scene of this horde of uh, jewels and gems and then you just see Smaug sort of peering around the corner. So these things are huge. Again, yeah. that, that size thing really screws with me, but also like this thing has a choice whether to eat you or not, unless you can prove yourself to be worth its time. So ultimately, I don't think you can bargain with a dragon because they, you will never have the upper hand unless you are incredibly lucky. And even then, it is so slight because they are, they, like you said, they are smart, they are powerful, they have uh, breath weapons which are scary. Um, and yes, it, yeah, it's it's just it's it, they are an incredible monster creature. To yeah, it's just one of those things. Like yeah, it's almost it is the staple of. Dungeons Dragons, he's like, well, at some point you should face a dragon because that yeah. I think I assume at, at one point or another that would be in the final boss is to face a dragon of some sort. Yeah, exactly. And they do make very good final bosses or things that rule particular areas or you know they 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 pose threats to kingdoms and entire sort of I wouldn't say go so far as to say planes. They 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 make very good sort of big villains. And the breath weapon is the big thing. That's one thing that binds dragons together once they get uh, in fact all dragons have a breath weapon but once they get beyond the young age they also start to get things called legend reactions which mm -hmm. make them particularly difficult to deal with they can bite they can slash they can tail whip they can use their wings they can breath weapon mm -hmm. and the breath weapon changes depending on what the type of dragon you've got some shoot fire some shoot lightning some shoot cold you've got acid in there you've got poison there's one to essentially cook any pizza you want to cook really there's there's a lot of different types and you were saying about bribing them and 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 dealing with them mm -hmm. well again it depends on what dragon you face because they are all very different i think should we start with metallic dragons because i think they're yeah. quite fun Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Metallic dragons, do you remember? Good or bad? They are good because I have it down in my notes in front of me. Very good. Very <laughs> good. So the metallic dragons are, are the good dragons. And there is one unifying trait, apart from being good, that metallic dragons possess that chromatic dragons do not. And that is the ability to shapeshift into beasts and humanoids. Now, this is something that runs through all the different types of metallics. You've got brass, you've got bronze you've got copper you've got gold and you've got silver brass and bronze to me i always get tripped up over that because yeah. they are different but really it's like all the metals are <laughs> like super similar to each other but they are all bound by the fact that they are able to shapeshift into humanoids once they get into a certain age it is very common for a dragon of a good alignment to transform themselves into a human an elf a halfling uh, an old man a peasant a farmer or anything like that and then actually wander around they even become horses elks dogs all kinds of things there have been tales of dragons joining with society in all kinds of places and essentially just watching and enjoying mm. um I mean, they all have different traits. The gold dragon, for instance, is, is incredibly, uh, very solitary. They don't like people very much. They keep to themselves, but they are incredibly wise and powerful and they will pursue evil religiously and they will help anyone that is deemed in their eyes to 
be doing the cause of good. You know, these dragons are, if you come across a dragon of this nature, it's not necessarily a bad thing. They are incredibly good creatures. It doesn't stop them being dragons though. And this is kind of what I think you were hinting at before. Dragons are all possessed with a sense of Mm self-worth and they believe that they are very, very important and good dragons still have that trait. You know, they, they, they are very confident in themselves. They very believe that they are put on this plane of existence for the cause of being good and world shaking and changing everything. And, you know, things belong to them if the greater good possesses them to be a reason. So a dragon will easily take some treasure from another good aligned person if it believes that it needs to look after it for the, the overall cause. And there's no arguing with a dragon if it does that. Mm. Definitely. You'll see other dragons like silver dragons. They're other ones that often come across in campaigns. Um, silver dragons are, they, they shoot cold instead of fire, which is what gold dragons shoot. But silver dragons really do like to get involved with human life. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially things that have very short lifespans, they fascinate them. The, the sort of vigor and charm of short-lived creatures that they have to get loads done before they effectively die so they're they're fascinated by that a silver dragon will happily deal with themselves in society and they will look around and and make friends and then get distracted and go back and deal with its own treasure hoard and forget what it was doing and come back and realize 30 years have passed and the people Mm. it knew were dead but you know it, it, it it's fine it just makes friends with their with their children yeah i thought that was really really sweet like you just always have like I, what I would term as like a fun uncle or a crazy aunt, it's like, oh yeah, that dragon. Oh, it's always yeah. been in the family for generations. So I, I quite <laughs> like that. But the, the other thing that is a big difference from chromatic dragons is that metallic, metallic dragons have two breath weapons, not just okay. one. And I did not know that. I find that yeah. fascinating. They do. And it, it, it all stems on this sort of point that they they are not natural well they are natural born killers but they don't exist to kill they exist to do what they need to do for, for whatever their purpose is and they all have that sort of i guess like the the safety trigger mode it, it makes up for it generally speaking chromatic dragons have stronger breath weapons than metallic weather dragons and generally they're just a little bit tougher mm. but metallic dragons generally make up for that with intelligence and as you say more flexibility in how they sort of go about their business the other thing that stands metallic dragons apart is the sense of smell and the memory of smell that comes with it they are fantastic at remembering things and they are fantastic at remembering things with a immortal aspect to it as well so there's a great example in this book of a dragon will come down and will find that somebody has stolen something from its treasure hoard and it will remember the smell of that thief Mm. and 200 years later it will encounter a human clan which it's helping and it's doing the cause of good and it's fighting with it and the leader of that clan will be a descendant of the person who stole the treasure and will have nothing to do with it and will be utterly good but the dragon will not trust them and will have a really negative opinion because to a dragon it's it's the same smell it's the same scent and and the years have not eroded its memory they're very they're very long livid in that sense it's uh it's very interesting. It, it it's pretty cool that I. It feels again very Doctor Who, where like you can trace them via the bloodline. Like I, I yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. So what about chromatic dragons then? What what are sort of their key 
what, what are the, what's, what's the summary? What's the scoop? On, on <laughs> Where metallic dragons seek information, treasure, power out in order to seat curiosity or to help beat back evil or to fulfill some sort of greater purpose. And they do like treasure as well, don't get me wrong. They will have a lot of treasure. Karatic dragons exist for pure greed, ego, selfishness, hunger. They are much more primal. They are much more aggressive and they are much more evil. They genuinely are evil creatures that are put onto this plane because they believe that they should rule and they are in charge for a purpose and anything they come across is insignificant to a dragon. Trying to bargain with a chromatic dragon is a different kettle of fish. You come across a metallic dragon, you have to be clever. You have to give it something of value to, to you know, that dragons believe in fair exchange. But if you come across a chromatic dragon, you have to convince it not to kill you. That's the big difference. And each dragon has its own weak point. Chromatic dragons, generally, they have matte scales. So you have black, white, red, blue, and green, all with different breath weapons. Um, the same sort of things. I mean, all the different dragons, they have all kinds of fun ones. I mean, you get some dragons that can live underwater, some dragons that can burrow underground, some that can climb to walls. There's, there's a particular horror for any nightmare you wish to create, really. They are all kinds of things. But chromatic dragons really do love to make lairs in unforgiving and inhospitable places, and they love to build treasure hoards, treasure hoards of gold, gems, um, creatures, food, even treasures of memory to an extent, but they are much more primal in instinct. Um, yeah, they're evil, evil sods, these ones. So which would you say, if you, if you could pick your favourite out of the metallic and chromatic dragons do you have like a, a one that you're like that that would be cool i like that i like that dragon <laughs> i guess <laughs> you see i've i've always liked the metallic dragons because i always like the idea of something incredibly powerful that can be a force for good mm-hmm. um i think putting that into a campaign is is really interesting you're sort of like well if if your party of level 10 adventurers are trying to do something and they come across an ancient gold dragon who agrees to help them, that puts a different scope on a, on a story. It's, mm. it's not just like, here is a big villain. It's something very clever and old that you get to play with the mindset of some sort of bigger plan. I, I enjoy that um, a lot. And I love the, the shape shifting. Mm. I think that's really clever. Mm. You know, for dragons to have a sense that they actually enjoy fitting in with, with sort of, humankind and they love to sort of get involved and yeah like the brass dragons for instance are oh, you know, yes. <laughs> absolutely love to chat and talk and will pick you know again great story in the book of, of literally a brass dragon pinning someone down that tries to escape in order to engage in chit chat um <laughs> yeah I, I wrote down as the brass dragons once at a party you can't get away from so <laughs> <laughs> they are the party and it follows you home yeah. yeah exactly so i prefer that chromatic dragons are really good fun and i would encourage you to put a dragon in your campaign at some point and, and certainly they are easier to put in a campaign because mm. they're evil you can use them as um well put one in the dungeon and you've got an evil thing that is Dungeons and Dragons. So, mm. you know, players will love that. They really do. For me, the one that stood out was the blue dragons because they are, because yeah. obviously, again, I think, oh, blue, that's going to be water, it's coast. No, that is lightning and the desert. And yeah. they bury themselves up to their snouts. So just their sort of horn on their nose is peering out. And so 
the caravans will go past it and it will just erupt from the sands and and take stuff and i thought that's awesome what a that for me that's like that is like a cool encounter you could do that yeah. you've you've you know you've heard that this there is a dragon nearby you have to be super careful and then suddenly it appears and you know you're in a big open space full of difficult terrain because sand is not easy to walk or run on mm. and it's like oh that I just all about blue dragons. I was like, that's. It was just I don't know. It's I've, we've come across this before where I've gone devils usually fire, <gasps> but you've got ice devils. Whoa! And so I'm now like dragons <gasps> in the desert. Like <laughs> <laughs> those, 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 the blue dragons really stood out for me. And oh, this is going to sound such a bad, but I did not realize there was a difference between poison and acid until I oh, read really? yeah so obviously <laughs> you have the black dragons for acid and then the green dragons for poison and I yeah. was like is that not the same thing have they just doubled they, you know what they are very similar just in stats as well they yeah. both sort of can breathe underwater they both live in either swamps or forests it, 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 you know there's a lot of similarity there yeah mm. no blue dragon I'm, it's funny it's like reading a tarot card or something like that it's like which dragon do you oh one of those Facebook quizzes from years ago which house are you in, in Harry Potter <laughs> which dragon are you so you've picked the one where it's particular evil qualities are a sense of vanity yep. and a sense of superior it's interesting that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> Blue dragons are really one of those dragons that you can barter your way out of by mm. essentially flattering them and making them feel like they are the best things in the world. You know, mm. they, they talk about having minions and, and creatures that follow them and basically just suck up to them and provide some sort of service. Whereas if you come across a white dragon, for instance, they are essentially the idiot dragons and they live to freeze people and then eat them. That's yeah. kind of it <laughs> well yeah. they're very good hunters they're very animalistic but mm. yeah so oh. dragons are really fun but whether you come across a chromatic or a metallic ah it, it is a very different story did you know there is a third kind of dragon ryan well it depends on what you're talking about fiona so as of November last year. It was the 45th anniversary of Wizards of Coast, which is Sapphire. Ooh, well, it took me a moment then. Sapphire. Um, so, and in older, in older editions, there were things called gem dragons. And so they've released the stats for a Sapphire dragon, and they've made hints for a campaign or an adventure coming at, I think, at the end of this year, so 2020, which will involve or sort of bring back gem dragons, which I thought was absolutely fascinating because I hadn't heard of them. So like you said, chromatics are, you know, the evil sort of dragons, are, you know, chaotic evil stuff. And then you've got the good line dragons as the metallics. And then gems, gem dragons are just in the middle. Yeah. I was like, wow, oh, cool. And yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just like, again, so the sapphire one, so they just like collecting magical weapons and armor and they're in the cave and stuff and they eat spiders uh, that's what I got from that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good, that. That's good. Hey, no, that's really interesting. That takes me back to a, a very old edition of D&D. Yeah, that's and, really, really cool. The, and the sort of, was it the, their the sort of leader is a ruby dragon called, now, I'm going to get this wrong, Sardior, um, who has a flying, a flying like, castle with other with five ancient gem dragons surrounding them. So a bit like Bahamut with his golden dragons as yeah. well. So I was just like, what? 
there's more dragons so i i was like that's, <laughs> well, i mean that's cool. it, it's there people love playing around with dragons for, for the campaign i run it's it's not official um wizards of the coast material it's it's um uh what do they call it the cobbled press who are very famous sort of third party that do a lot of D D stuff and i use some of the books they put out and there are all kinds of extra dragons in there from astral dragons to oh. uh, something we've got in our campaign, which is a wind dragon, which mm-hmm. is again, one of these sort of neutral creatures. So yeah, I love the different types of them. We're, we're, we're dealing with sort of two. I mean, even in this, this book, there is actually two more types of dragon. You've got yes. Draco liches, which mm-hmm. are wind dragons forsake their mortal bonds and become undead which which is horrifying yep. and then shadow dragons which i find really really cool which is when a dragon spends a little bit too much time in the shadow fell yeah as a lovely and uh endearing place the shadow fell is and that again that's sort of um this that brings me back to sort of like a Yu-Gi-Oh, like you know it's like blue eyes white dragon but in the death zone or whatever so you just get <laughs> so yeah like dragon liches i thought that's terrifying because not only do you have a dragon but then you have a hulk for a dragon to become a lich there has to be a whole process you have to have a cult around it and it's just frightening and the idea of the process being like the soul of the dragon is transferred into a gem and then it becomes, but then obviously if the dragon dies, it goes back into the gem until it finds another dragon. And oh, so I did like that. The other kind of dragon I saw, which technically isn't a dragon, it's the dragon turtle, which is the last <laughs> on the last page of it. But I thought that was quite cool because it's like um it's obviously just a, a massive turtle. The picture of it's really cool, but it has something called steam breath. Which I was like, whoa, that's terrifying. It's like, you're like, <laughs> is it going to blow water at me? No, you're just going to boil to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this, this actually, it brings me to the thing. That everything has a breath weapon if it's a dragon. And, and using a dragon in a campaign is, is, is an interesting one to get your head around. Because they are, oh, there's a, I forget who did them, but there's a really famous set of books in D&D called The Monsters Know What They're Doing. And I think there's maybe even a blog oh. based on it as well. Uh, well, maybe the book was based on the blog. I'm not entirely sure who who wrote it. I'm, accreditation needed, I'm sure. But the, these sort of entries and stories always went through monsters and then gave DMs a really good example of how they thought. You know, putting a, a creature from a stat block in a monster manual, you only get so far. If, if you have a campaign of fighters with full plate and you smash a monster against them, it's never going to get very far, you know you have to play to their strengths and dragons have a particular way of fighting you always need to keep in mind dragons all can fly and unless they want to get up close which is very rare unless they think that they are 100% going to win they will fly they will stay away from groups Um, and you should always remember to use that flight specifically you should have a look at how far the breath weapon of a dragon um takes or how, how how far the range of that breath weapon is if it's 60 feet chances are the dragon will be hovering at about 55 to 60 feet if it's 90 chances are it'll be 85 to 90 feet they will hover and they will pepper a party quite specifically with breath weapons all day long as long as they can get away with it mm-hmm. they all have legendary resistances so you know no suggestions saying fly away for three minutes or polymorphs um it's going to be very difficult. The saving throws on these things, absolutely crazy. Um, I mean, I'm looking at an ancient black dragon, for instance. They've got 
dex plus nine, strength plus eight, con plus 14, whiz plus nine, charisma plus 11. So the saving throws there are <laughs> absolutely mental. And then three legendary resistances. Um, they all have legendary actions as well. Always remember to use them. Very, very difficult to remember that. I don't know how, as a DM, just write it on the top of the sheet, just like use it. Mm-hmm. I'll be, uh, you know, at the end of every turn. They can make yeah. tail attacks if they've been um, sort of put close. They can detect to, to try and find hidden people. And the perception on these creatures is through the roof. I mean, again, I'm looking at this ancient black dragon. I think the passive perception is 26. These, they are <laughs> very perceptive. Um, they're going to they're gonna spot you. Yeah. They've got blind sight. Remember that, um, you know, you can't sneak up on a dragon with invisibility. They can still see you exactly where you are as long as you're um, touching the ground. Oh, actually, no, blind sight's not even tremor sense, is it? No, no they, they just know where you are. You just know. <laughs> they, yeah. They've got a feeling you're there. <laughs> they've got a good feeling. Um, and as part of the legendary actions, they can do something called a wing attack as well, which is effectively a melee attack that causes them to move another, like, half of its movement effectively. So. Yeah. Remember, they can fly, they can move in turns. It, it's not uncommon for a dragon to fly, pepper with breath weapons, and then fly really high so they can't be hit. Wait until the breath weapon recharges, and then fly back down and do it again mm-hmm. and again and again. And a dragon will not want to be captured as well. They do not want to fight to the death. They are very, very egotistical. Unless you are fighting them in their lair, they will probably fly away if they mm. get injured. And they will keep a perfect memory of exactly who attacked them, and they will plague them, and they will not rest until they're dead. But they are patient. That's the thing. Always remember that. And they also have, um, I'm sure you've already mentioned it, but frightful presence as well. So again, not only with the size, you have this dragon coming towards you, and he uses frightful presence so that if you fail the save, your adventurers are frightened of it and have disadvantage on attacks. So yeah. it just the odds keep stacking and stacking against your party. You just can't. You shouldn't piss off a dragon uh, under any circumstances. That's that was my takeaway from this. No, no, I think that's that's um, that's good good advice. Actually. Good advice for me. <laughs> Great. Is there anything about dragons in general that you don't like, or, or is there anything that you like? Oh, that's a bit weak in that particular area at all. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of debate about this. Uh, dragons in fifth edition are not as powerful as once they were. I think a lot of the, the very famous creatures in D&D have been toned down a little bit in 5th edition. The, the Tarasque is, is one example of a, of a creature which is, I think, challenge rating 30. I think it's the biggest thing in D&D, but it's nowhere near as powerful as it was in, as I said, when I started 3.5, um, I think Pathfinder sort of stemmed off that. But back in that, dragons were much more fearsome than in fifth edition and it tends to be because of the breath weapon um the recharge on that means that with a particularly bad set of rolls a dragon can use a breath weapon and then be stuck for four or five rounds without having it again which could be a bit of a problem and the legendary actions they're not great the fact that it can just make a tail attack with with one of them it's it's there are better legendary actions out there. There's no ranged attack with a legendary action. They can't like shoot little fireballs. They can't spray the area with with poison. Mm. There is an argument that, especially once you get below ancient, once you get to sort of adult and young dragons, it's they're not very powerful for something of their challenge rating. Mm. Um, they don't have magic immunity anymore. They don't have 
damage resistance. They don't have a regeneration. There's a lot of things that have sort of popped up with dragons in various editions before. Mm. They're very vanilla at the moment. They have an armor class and lots of health, but that's kind of about it. Mm. So with enough archers and enough sort of, um, you know, say, for instance, uh, if if you take an ancient black dragon, which is challenge rating 21, Mm -hmm. and you've got four level 20 characters that are fighting it, so it'll be a medium to hard encounter for it. Mm -hmm. They're all rangers or fighters, so they've got probably plus five to hit because they've got plus five decks, they've got plus six um, on the, uh, what do you call it, Um, proficiency uh, to attack with. Maybe they've got a plus two weapons. They've got plus two at shooting. That's plus 15 to hit. This thing's going to get hit on three quarters of the attacks. The armor Mm. class is not that strong. Um, Mm. Yeah, there's an argument to say they're not as as powerful as once they were. Mm. And for me, like I, when reading through this, there seemed, there was, a bit, it reminded me a bit when we talked about the GIF Yankee and the GIF Sari. There's a lot on the metallic dragons. Like, there seem to be like, they, this uh, evil nurse here is like, you know, XYZ and stuff. And then the good dragons are like, well, here's how they look a little bit more. And it just felt a lot less. And again, I think it's that sort of like, well, you're, you're going to go fight the dragons, right? Why, why would you go and have a chat with them? So I feel like for me, it makes sense that you'd want to go fight the evil dragons uh and what you were saying before about the good dragons are being well i felt i feel personally they're maybe are a bit overkill because they've got two breath weapons and the ability to to shape sift even though one of the breath weapons is a bit more defensive yeah but if it did feel like if you go up against a good dragon it probably would you not kill you but it would be like well this was a very bad idea and i feel it would be very hard Unless, like, I'd, I'd guess it's that sort of thing. It's like, would you, are you running an evil campaign where you actually go and kill a good dragon and stuff like that? I, it just felt like maybe an imbalance to me in mm. terms of reading about it. A lot of the good creatures suffer from that treatment as well. I mean, if you have a look at the angels compared to the devil section in Monster Manual, it doesn't get anywhere near as much treatment. It's, yeah, there is an argument to say that the evil stuff is focused on more. I guess that's natural because you're yeah. going to be fighting more evil things. And and maybe it's a challenge. Hey, you try and get a good dragon into a campaign as something that you need to kill or fight. Um, mm. I mean, some things that the good dragons, they, are, they, are, they do get mentioned are the fact that they will take sides in battles where they deem the good to be. And maybe that's not necessarily where you deem the good to be. Um, mm. If there's a longer term plan, the dragon sees that you don't or that doesn't matter because the short term is too drastic certainly with like the gem dragons when they sort of come around because obviously they're so neutral that they might whereas the good dragons will be like well what you're fighting is probably more evil but the neutral ones may take aside what maybe interests them so i thought that that would have been quite interesting the other thing and i think again it's just because we've been talking about like the gray areas in between sort of black and white i felt like all so all dragons obviously as you, you sort of talked about are driven by agreed of some sort whether it's monetary uh wealth or as i put down here like the knowledge of warfare quite a few of them are like really into their tactics which yeah. <laughs> which feels a very D thing to do i gotta be honest but <laughs> i just felt like i get it feels very sort of uh, i this is gonna sound stupid it feels very capitalistic like they're just sat on big piles of gems and stuff whereas i feel like you could just say they're driven by something like a collective need so like yeah. i i because i like you know me i collect rpg books 
I don't read them. <laughs> That's my hoard. You, you know what I mean? Like, so I guess it's like the wealth of knowledge or the, you could, and I guess that leads on to like, how would you implement it? Like I probably would think about dragons that aren't necessarily the treasure for them. Like one man's treasure is another man's junk, etc. So I, yeah. I, I guess because of this, again, we've said like these dragons are like the big bad at the end and you're going to get all this treasure and it's all going to be great. But what if the treasure is literally a ton of books or... Yeah. Yeah. board games and, or and some whatever of the dragons, yeah some of the dragons do cover things that aren't necessarily treasure i mean the, the good dragons especially knowledge and secrets are, are just as important to it but even then there are i think the green dragon was one that necessarily didn't mm. you know it, it, it would tr- collect things that weren't always things of value they were things that were alive or, or were growing or had been sculpted um in that way so yeah but yeah no you're right fleshing these things out is always quite difficult you know my other pet haters i and i've mentioned this before brass and bronze i mean pick <laughs> two different why is it an alloy to start with right that's not that is a man-made thing it is not an that is not an element that is a metal it is an alloy of two things you could have just had a steel jagged mm-hmm. i mean there, there are all kinds of things iron is is an element you could have had nickel titanium platinum all of these precious metals that i don't know i feel like brass and bronze is a bit it's a bit weird mm-hmm. no I, I see what you mean it just it did feel a bit nerdy then you're like oh i think you're fine but actually an iron dragon or a steel dragon that yeah. would be well that again steel cool. is the same problem because that's an alloy as well but like copper is an element that's i i understand yeah. that i can get behind that but yeah. <laughs> brass yeah, brass and bronze both have copper in them. So it's like, come on. <laughs> so if you were going to implement dragons into your campaign, or if you have, how would you go about it? What would you, what would you, how would you, how would you put them into your worlds? Dragons are very powerful and they cause a lot of attention if something appears or, or is influencing a, a, an area that the players are currently in. The main thing that you need to do is to really big up the fear or the myth around the dragon. So as an example, the campaign we run at the moment, the the party were on an island um, where it was pretty much a destroyed sort of wreck effectively it was it was abandoned long abandoned and there was a mine in it and pretty much the first thing you found out about the island was there's a reason why no one's here and there's a reason why the mine is abandoned is because there's a dragon and it destroyed everything it took up residence there and it's just there now as long as we don't wake it up it's fine to date you haven't met the dragon at no point have you ever encountered it but there is enough fear there that it's been mentioned a good like 15, 20 times subsequently. <laughs> I'm ready to go back, but we're a little bit busy just now. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's that's kind of half the point. Is is yeah. like you want to build up the the myth of the thing before Yeah. You know, you you throw yourselves at it. You don't just say like a dragon attacks and now oh it's dead. Mm. That feels like a waste of something with a lot of intelligence. And intelligent enemies need a bit more planning and they need a bit more thought to them have a dragon taunt party have it follow them or tail them or try and bargain with them or threaten them and then mm-hmm. run mm-hmm. Uh, dragons all have minions they all have servants they all have traps in their um their lairs play around with that sort of stuff it's good fun it's interesting what you said about sort of uh, like a dragon attack so the very first fifth edition 
adventure module, the uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, starts off with a dragon attack. Uh, and your characters sort of just appear, and then you have to help out the village and stuff. And both Horde of the Dragon Queen and the Rise of Tiamat, which is like the two modules, as it were, yeah. introducing dragons. That's interesting, because it, it talks about bringing back Tiamat, and you don't, to my knowledge, again, I have to say, I've not read all of it, um, the, the idea that you had the cults that wanted to bring Tiamat back, etc. So you don't necessarily fight a dragon till right at the end of uh, Horde of Dragon Queen. And even then, I think it is a a young adult or, or um, not a wormling. I, I, yeah, that's a teenager, yeah. basically. A weaker one. What, what level is that campaign? Do you know? So the first one, the Horde of Dragon Queen is one to five. And then, okay, yeah, so it's going to be a young dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And then the Rise of Tiamat, the second part, is like six to 20, essentially. But the right. interesting bit in the Rise of, T- Rise of Tiamat, so obviously the first one focuses quite heavily on the chromatic dragons. Uh, Rise of Tiamat, you know, you've sort of thwarted the cult for now, and then you go, uh, the party should go to a, a place called Waterdeep, which is obviously quite famous in the uh, Forgotten Realms as a place, almost like a... I don't think it is the capital. I think it's Neverwinter, but that doesn't matter for this. You go there, <laughs> there's a council of... Uh, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. It's like the the masked, the masked lords of Waterdeep. Ooh, sorry, I plucked that out of the air then. <laughs> I can and, see it. And the, the, uh, it's quite cool because obviously then you're in this big council chamber, but every, every lord has a mask, so you can't tell who they are. So in case someone gets assassinated... Um, you don't know who that was, or they don't get bribed as easily, etc. So it's all very secret. And throughout the that campaign, the Rise of Tiamat, you have four council sessions after every couple of missions and sort of to see how well it's going. But then in sort of the council session two, you hear from the metallic dragons who say, hey, we would like to help. And so then they send representatives. And I quite like that, a bit more political thing where, like we were saying before, like if the metallic dragons could shapeshift and be a more less scary form for the party and maybe be an ally in some way that i thought was really cool the the idea i had from that so when i was reading about that is having an npc or a minor character who was a dragon and just just never really mentions it just you know is along for the ride but becomes endearing and then obviously they're like oh no derek wait Derek's not dead, <laughs> and it's it's some massive like a uh, gold dragon. It's like oh, oh shit, yeah. Derek's a dragon. So I thought that'd be quite cool. And then the other the other thing I thought of because you don't it doesn't really speak about this per se, but obviously dragons come together and mate, and they'll have eggs, and that's where egg dragon eggs come from, and that's where that's that's where dragons come from. Hooray! Um, um, but I like the idea that somehow like these these. These eggs must be huge as well, or they must be sizable. But again, like I can imagine, like on a party, like if they're going through a dungeon, they just happened upon an egg or or, or a lone egg in a in a like a broken hatchery, and just one, yeah. and they take it with them, and it hatches, and then the dragon is just, what do you do? Because this is going to get bigger. It feels very much like you know Hagrid and his dragons, you know, that <laughs> sort of a yeah. So I, I thought that would be quite a fun little thing. It's like okay, you've got a problem now. And yeah. it's going to become a very big problem if you're not sure, especially if it's an if it's a chromatic dragon as well, and they yeah, they're yeah. just going to be inherently evil. So yeah, it's very true. They dragons are yeah, they're really clever, they're intelligent, they like to get involved, uh, especially metallic dragons, but even chromatic dragons, they they like to have a mission, a vengeance, a purpose. They like to get involved and really just exert their superiority over mm. the situation. Put it that way. 
I, I like them. Dragons will always have a place in a campaign for me. They're always really, really good fun. And there is always that brilliant reveal, isn't there, where you're walking around with some beggar and you've been treating him badly and he's been following you around. And eventually it turns out he's a, a large gold dragon and sort oh. of looking down on you and you think, oh, okay. Oh, hello. shit. <laughs> Derek, no. So, so let's just tail us off then. So, do you have any recommendations for similar sort of inspirations that happen to have dragons in or, or maybe lore or just a general sort of like, where else could we find out about dragons? As yeah, well, dragons, rather than Googling. <laughs> <laughs> dragons are really interesting everywhere because, I mean, dragons have always been associated with like fairy tales and, um, you know, all, all your kind of horror stories as you've been growing up. And, and they can be anything from super intelligent to super animalistic. If you want a really famous example of dragons, which are essentially just wild animals that are particularly special, then there's a lot in Harry Potter um, that's quite a good example of them. Maybe some white dragon behavior could be compared to like a Hungarian horntail and how they, you know, approach things. Yeah. For me, the best and most fun I've seen with dragons in books is um robin hobbs books mm. um she's got about five or six trilogies now i think all in the same world and a few of them specifically deal with dragons and 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 not to get to you know spoil anything if, if you haven't read them um robin hobb they are really 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 good i think ship of magic is maybe the first one or the assassins Oh, I think the, it's the Assassin's, Assassin's Apprentice, yeah. I think, is maybe the yeah, first one. I think so. But in that book, dragons, they almost have a sense of like old magic to them and they're much more serpentine, poisonous rather than fire breathing. And they are intelligent and almost have this sort of magical mind reading force that sort of goes with them. It's very, very cool. It's almost a bit um, eldritch in the way that they work. Um, yeah, I'd recommend that. That's If you want a, an example of intelligent dragons, that's a good way to go. So my examples of not maybe not intelligent dragons, but quite fun dragons, um, there's a film, well, I'm sorry, there is a story which has been made into a very famous film called The Never Ending Story. And in it, there is a, a creature called a luck dragon called Falcor, who's incredible. <laughs> like, there's a whole, that if you've ever seen a sort of like a small child on the back of a dragon going, yeah, putting put their hand in the air, that's from Never Ending Story. And <laughs> he, he has some great sort of like, again, like wise word quotes, uh, never give up and good luck will always find you. I was like, oh, yes, that's, that's the 80s nostalgia I, I long for. Uh, yeah. it's, and it is super... Again, it's it's an ally that can help you in certain situations. A bit a bit like the eagles from Lord of the Rings. Like I could get you somewhere. Don't worry, Bastion. And just <laughs> but we can't fly you over plot points. So oh no, oh, you have no. to face the challenges yourself. But well, Never Ending Story is, is a great film anyway. I highly highly recommend it. Brilliant. Uh, the other the other one I'll quickly say is Spirited Away. Um, if you've ever seen that, yeah, Studio Ghibli. Very true. There is a a, a dragon in that called. Haku. Um, I, I think that's the, the English dubbed version of that. Uh, <laughs> again, has the animalistic side to it, but obviously has, is inspired by uh, Asian influences as well. Obviously, yeah, that's a that, cool film. I like that it's film. It's a great film. Oh, I watched it again recently because it came back on Netflix. So I was like, of course it did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, very good point. So I feel like I've told you as much about dragons as you're going to absorb in about 45 minutes. What are you going to treat me to next time? So, 
So I might have thought of the episode title before thinking this all the way through, right? <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. I look forward to this. So we, you know, so you, you were saying to me, like, oh, I'm sorry I picked the monster manual. Uh, you know, and I was like, oh, just you wait, because now I'm going to show you. We're now going to be playing with Tortles. <laughs> so it is the Tortle package, which is the Tomb of Annihilation supplement, which introduces the Tortle race at their island and a little mini adventure in the back. And lovely it's gonna be great you're gonna absolutely love it brilliant <laughs> that's brilliant tortles oh yeah I, I just i haven't been able to get tortles into my head yet so that's brilliant excellent so guess who forgot to talk about social plugs etc whoops all right well we'll do it now you can find ryan on youtube on his channel that's ursa ryan where he does all sorts of amazing cool stuff with civ uh, especially civilization 6 with the new season pass i think it is he's also got a discord and a patreon so go check out his stuff there me i run what am i rolling a twice monthly rpg one-shot podcast we release episodes every two weeks on a sunday and yeah that's going well so you can find it on the what am i rolling website that's www.wairpodcast.com and you can find us on twitter and instagram at wair underscore podcast both me and ryan are in tba mondays which is a DD homebrewed youtube series that comes out on youtube at points we're struggling at the, bit at the moment due to internet stuff but it is really good and we highly recommend you watch it so that is tba mondays on youtube and on twitter if you want to follow that that's at dnd tba great thanks well <laughs> we're done i think <laughs> i think so hey i hope you learned something you know i enjoy dragons dragons are good fun yeah no it, it was nice it's nice to actually learn a lot more and the difference between them i think i say that every time it's like, i've learned there's two different types or three and now i know the difference yeah yeah so I quite like and there's that. that moment where you realize that a member of the good aligned party that you've been journeying with for 75 episodes is actually a blue dragonborn and you think about it and go Wait. hang on a sec oh no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Can I just say he also didn't realise that Blue were evil at that really? point. So, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I know. Well, with that bombshell, I think we'll say goodbye for now. <laughs> Indeed. See you later, everyone. Bye. I can't believe you didn't know that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. <gasps> oh, Samuel.